Welcome to When Ghosts Speak with Melissa and Mary Ann. everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of When Ghosts Speak, aka The Adventures of Marianne. <laughs> uh, Marianne, you have another fun story for us today. Yeah. A gal by the name of Nancy called and her husband, Carl, he had died oh, maybe three or four months before she called. And she didn't know if he crossed over, but she didn't think so. And Nancy's house was actually built by her and her husband, Carl. And it was a very unique house. It was a two-family house. However, it was two levels. The her Carl and her place was a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, living room, kitchen, family room. There was an attached garage. You could walk out the patio door. You could walk through the garage. I think there was even an exit out of the one bedroom. Her son, Connor, his house was right underneath their house. His house was actually on the first level. And his was a three-bedroom ranch. Ways in and out, attached garage, that was his place. And when they built this house, they thought, well, Connor was an only child. And they talked to him before they built it. And he was already a teenager when they built it. And they said, well, should we build it so you can live downstairs? We'll make it bigger because eventually, you're hopefully, you'll get married and have kids. So we'll make yours a little bit bigger. So that was the whole scenario. They both lived in the same house. Now, there was a set of steps that went from Connor's downstairs to Nancy's upstairs. Both had a door on each end. Both doors could be locked. So each person actually did have their their privacy. And I said, so why do you think Carl didn't cross over? She said, well, Actually, I think I saw him. She's in the hallway. And she said, and I haven't had any dreams of him. And I said, well, he hasn't been dead long enough yet for a dream. She said, years ago, Carl and I came to hear you talk. And we listened to you, she says, and we really thought you hit the nail so much on the head. That, you know, this isn't the end. And we really believed everything you said about going into the light and being able to come back and forth and visit. And she said, but we had no need. There was nothing going on in the house, so we didn't bother to call you. She says, but now I think it's important that, you know, we figure out what's going on. And I said, so tell me what's going on. I said, you're worried about Connor. She said, yeah. She said. We had him late in life. He was a preemie. And she said, and there's no doubt about it that we have spoiled him rotten. She says, but he was our only child. And she said, he's so smart. 
He is a he, he graduated with a degree in political science and he taught high school. And so that's what he did. And again, he lived, you know, underneath them. And her husband was actually an engineer, but he was very political. He was a councilman in their neighborhood for a few years till he got sick. And him and Connor had this bond, a, a really father-son bond, really strong. And he really tried pushing Connor into going into politics. He really thought that Connor would be great at that. And so, you know, it, it was really strange. You can tell your kids that you want them to do something, but whether they do it or not, no matter what age they are, it's, sometimes it's always going to be a hassle. So she said, so Carl's been sick. He was at home, she said, and he, he had nurses coming into the, into the house on occasion a couple times a week. She says, and I, the one day I glanced up and I heard Connor pulling in the driveway and I glanced out the window and he had somebody in the front seat with him. And I thought, huh, I wonder who he's bringing home with him. So she waited and Connor did what he did every time he came home. If it was not late at night, he came upstairs, knocked on the door. She opened it. Hey, how's dad doing? How are you guys doing? She says, Connor, who's in the car with you? He said, oh, um, mom, you're not going to like it, but it's Riley. She said, Riley? And I said, hold it. Who's Riley? She said, when Connor was in college and there were a couple of his buddies that we really didn't care for. And Riley was the main one. She said he was really a, a, a not a good influence. And we told him we didn't like him and we really wish that he wouldn't have anything to do with him. And he, she said, I know he had him over here a couple of times, but then Riley ended up going to prison. He was a drug runner, stole and sold guns, all kinds of guns. Yeah, uh, the AKC things and ammo and I mean the whole the whole I mean according to Nancy, if the kid could have fit a, a tank, he would have sold that. That he would sell anything that was illegal like that. So she said, Connor, why is he here? I thought he was in prison. She, he said, Well, he got out and he was in to uh uh the like a halfway house and his time was up and he had to get out he had no place to go his family totally abandoned him when he went to college or to jail and he says and I felt really bad for him and he called me and she said how he just called you out of the clear blue sky and Connor sort of looked at her and said well mom when he was in prison I was visiting him he says he's He's a friend. I Just because you didn't like him or dad doesn't mean I don't like him. She said, so what's he going to do? She said, well, he's going to look for a job and he's going to try to find a place to live. But he can't find a place to live till he finds a job and makes some money. So he's going to stay here. He, he says, I got that extra bedroom. He can stay there. She didn't say anything. She thought he's, you know, he's an adult now. What, what is she supposed to do? 
So Carl died and they had the funeral and Carl knew exactly, I mean, he had planned his funeral. There was no, I mean, he was not one of these people that were going to stay. So during the visiting hours at the funeral, he's there listening to what everybody has to say about him. And uh, he's so happy that there's so many people there, people he didn't expect, which is usually the case at a funeral. And he's got his eye on Nancy and he's watching Colin. And he says, now, obviously, Nancy has me over and he's there and he says, I'm so glad you're here. You got to hear what's going on. So why at the funeral home, he sees Colin not sneak out, but quietly walk out the front door of the funeral home. And he thought, hmm, what is he up to? So he goes outside. Now, it's so easy. I mean, nobody can see him. Guess who pulls up in Connor's car? Riley. And Connor walks over to the car and he hears Riley say to Connor, I got it. It's a good load, but we have to hang on to it for about two or three weeks before we can get rid of it. So now Carl's thinking, what are they talking about? So he comes back in. And he's, you know, going through everything and he sees his mom and dad in the light. He sees her, uh, Nancy's parents in the light. And when he was sick, he had been talking to his father. Now he couldn't, which of course is normal. Until he goes into the light, he can talk to them again. But he was really worried about Connor and he still didn't like Riley. So... He decides he's not going into the light. He's going to stick around. He doesn't know what Connor's doing, and he's thinking he can do something to stop it, avoid it, fix it. Who knows what he thought? So he stays. Well, about three weeks after buried, here but buried, Connor comes home, and she heard him come in. She heard his garage door go down. And all of a sudden, he comes tearing up the steps, and the door wasn't even locked. He just knocked once and walked in. And he says, Mom, what were you doing down in my house? She says, Connor, I wasn't in your house. He said, yes, you were. He said, you opened up the spare room. That room was locked. Why did you go in that spare room, and how did you open it? She says, Connor, my arthritis is so bad. She says, I can't walk up and down those steps without killing myself. She says, I was not down in your your place. And he said, she says, what's, first of all, why do you even have a door locked downstairs? And then before Connor could answer, she says to him, oh, because of Riley. And he said, no, mom, not because of Riley. Riley's fine, and Riley is just as upset as me that the lock is off and the door was open. And so she said, well, help me downstairs. Let me take a look. And he says, never mind. Just never mind. Just stay up here. So he went back downstairs. 
couple days later, Connor comes running up the steps. He said, I don't know what's going on, Mom. He says, but for some reason, Riley can't sleep at night. He is up all night walking around. And because he's walking around, I'm not sleeping. So I looked at Carl and he said, oh, yeah. He says, I would not let Riley sleep. I kept waking him up. I was hoping that they'd get into a fight and Riley would leave. And I said, what did you find in that room? Guns, guns, guns. All illegal guns. Stolen guns, hot guns, ammo. He even had some of that um, C4 for blowing stuff up. Uh, Yeah, it was like, where did this stuff even come from? Why? Right. Why? (laughs) Money, money, money. I would kill my kid. Yeah. And his friend. All of them. Uh, Well, and there you go. And that's why Carl didn't cross over. He was so worried about what was going on and, and he didn't know what to do about it. So now I'm in the house four months after his death. He said they get big loads of these stolen guns about once a month, once every three weeks. He said, And it is, they're making a lot of money. He said, and I heard Connor telling Riley that he's got to get that letter done and turn it into the school board. And I looked at Carl and I said, why? And he said, oh, he's resigning. He's he's quitting teaching. Because he can make way more money doing what he's doing than teaching school. So this sounds like Breaking Bad, where the science teacher starts, you know, turning out drugs to raise money to pay for his cancer treatments. But he was oh. making so much money selling drugs that he's like, what should he teach? More? Okay, no. Okay, so it's it was all about the money. So I said to Carl, I says, what is it that you want me to do? And he said, you've got to stop. Please stop Connor. I said, how am I supposed to stop Connor? And he said, well, you know people. He says, can't you do something? He said, he says, I know you've helped. And he said the detective's name in his town. And I said, yeah, I have done work for him. He says, well, can't you call him? I says, Carl, I says, you expect me to call my detective friend? I says, so he can come out here and do something with Riley? I says, and what do you think he's going to do? Let your your son skate? I said, he's involved in this up to his eyeballs. I said, what the, you know, this is not good. And he says, I know, he says, and now he's smoking weed and he's drinking a lot. And I said, so what do you want to do? So Nancy is listening to us. And every time Carl tells me something, I say it out loud so Nancy knows what he's saying. Nancy says, oh, I had no idea it was that bad. No idea it was that bad. And I looked at Nancy. I said, what do you want me to do? She says, if he stays doing what Riley is doing, I'm afraid he's going to get killed. And Carl said, well, I didn't want to say anything. 
but he's in trouble with one of the guys that he's buying guns from. He cheated him on some money, he says, and I don't know if that means they're going to come after him and Connor. He said, but I didn't want you to tell Nancy that to worry her. And I went, hey, you know what? I can't keep secrets in this kind of a situation. So I told Nancy exactly what Carl said. She said, Connor has to go to jail. You have to do something. I said, okay. So I called my detective friend up. He was out. They said he'd be back in about 20 minutes. He called me back, told him where I was at, told him what was going on. And he said, can I come over real fast? Will you keep the ghost there so I can ask him a few questions? I said, sure. Why not? So the detective comes over. Let's have a party. So the detective comes over and he said, okay, have him give me the schedule. So Carl gave him the schedule. What days? He says, when are they both normally here? And Carl gave him that information. He said, I can come in because Riley's been in jail. He's been in prison. I can shake him down anytime I feel like it. He's a parolee. He can't, and he certainly can't have any guns. And Carl said, well, just be aware of it. He's got one that he carries on him, one on his ankle, and he's got two stashed in Connor's car. So he's he's fully loaded. He's got guns everywhere. So the detective said, fine. And they definitely, I asked Carl, I said, let me make the light and you can keep still keep watching, you know, from the light. Go to the light. He goes, uh-uh, I'm not going. He says, I will come and find you once I know that Colin's okay. He said, but I'm not going to go until I know Colin's okay. You know, I can't grab him and throw him in. They still have to make it on their own. I said, fine. So it was about, Nancy called me. It was about 10 days later. It was a whole SWAT team that showed up. And they took Riley and Connor in. And there was court. And they both pleaded guilty. They ended up in prison, jail, prison. The only thing that Nancy begged, begged, begged the attorney is that she didn't want Riley and Connor put in the same facility. She wanted them separate because she was afraid they'd be buddies, which she was probably smart. I mean, I think people that, and let's be honest, some people end up in jail that are innocent, but I bet they come out knowing a whole lot more than what they went in knowing because of what you learn when you're in prison. And I said, okay. So I says, when did all this happen? And she told me, and I said, great. And so I kept a watch out for Carl. I thought, I wonder, because I had told him about going to the funeral home and just using that white light. And he said, no, no, I want to come and see you. I said, all right. He said, I want to go to the right place thinking there's only one white light but I'm not going to argue and so it was about four or five days after that 
I just, we had just finished supper and I had gone in the office and it was Carl sitting on the chair in the office. I says, well, you got it accomplished. He said, I did. And I said, great. I said, and you're happy with it? He says, well, Connor's not going to be in for very long. Riley, this is, he's in for a long time. He said, so I think that's going to be over with. He said, and hopefully, he says, Connor will get on the right track. He says, and I will watch over him once I go into the light. And I said, okay. I says, don't forget to go visit Nancy. He says, oh, that's the first thing on my schedule. So he goes into the light. Nancy calls me two days later. She says, oh, I had the best dream with Carl. She said, we talked and talked and talked. And she said, and everything is really good. He has messages for me from my mother and my dad. She said it was it was wonderful. So that's the story of Carl and Nancy and Connor. They tattle. Ghosts tattle on people that they live with. There's no doubt about it. And this guy was, you know, his number one priority was making sure that his kid didn't get killed. I mean, or blowing up the house with C4. Right. And they had no idea where he got that. Actually, the de- I talked to the detective a couple weeks after that. That C4 was actually stuff that was stolen from an army base. To, uh, to my knowledge, they still didn't figure out how they got it. So I, I, I don't know how that happened. Like we have Air Force bases in Ohio that there's not a close army base. Yeah, the network to get that here. Yeah, but you know, these kids in their 20s like that, you know, it's no big deal for them to drive three straights, three states over. They don't care. You know, it's it's people like us that try to put everything in order and go, well, I don't think we can do that. But they don't have that. That's not in their vocabulary. We can't do that. No. and it's a job responsibility. Just get in the car and drive. That's right. That's right. And it's stolen. Get it out of this state and some other state as soon as they can do it. And I, she, Nancy started laughing when I was talking to her. She says, you know, she says, I swear if there had been more than one bag of fertilizer in the garage, she says, I think I would have had a heart attack thinking that they were getting ready to blow something up. And I said, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm trying to remember from all my true crime document, like how volatile is C4? Like, I don't, you, you can't just barely tap it. And it'll, like, it, it takes some working, but still. Well, apparently it does need a charger. It won't, it's not like nitroglycerin that if you wiggle it, it's going to explode. Right. This stuff, you need a cap. It has to be set. It's mm-hmm. not something that goes off easily. But it's, why would they even have it? That just doesn't make any sense. Gonna rob a bank, blow a hole in the side of a bank in Cleveland, or like seriously, who knows? Who knows? And let's face it, Colin was smart. I mean, he was a smart guy, and but you just never know how much influence somebody has on your kid. And I, I've pretty much come to the conclusion. Do your job, do your job, do your job raising your kids, but you better get it right by the time they're 13 because when they start high school, your opinion doesn't mean anything. Their friends' opinions are the ones that matter. Well, they know everything by like 13, 14. That's right. That's exactly right. 
<laughs> Those little oh. girls know everything by five. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> okay. right. I'm so glad I never had a girl. I'm like, I, I'll take my boy. Right. Yeah. Well, that's funny because Ted's mother had told me that he came home from kindergarten one day and he and apparently one of his little buddies mothers was having a baby and he came up to his mother and he said you better not have any more kids because I'm the only one you need and he was only five years old I couldn't see Ted saying that today let alone 70 years ago so And he's like, thankfully, all my kids were fine as teens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And my, our girls, too, because whatever they tried, Ted or I had done before, and we saw it coming. So we got, we got it before it isn't, happened. Isn't that always the thing? Like, you you try to stretch to your kids. Like, I've been there, done that. I know the signs. Like, why are you even trying to hide this? And um, And some kids are just horrible liars. You know, like, Rune couldn't keep a straight face when he was little to save himself. And oh no. Amber was terrible, our oldest one. She would come up and she was she had the most honest face. And she would look at you and you'd ask her a question and she'd go, well, <laughs> as soon as she said well, everything out of her mouth was a lie. <laughs> Did you ever clue her into her little giveaway? Yeah, when she was about 14. 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Tara didn't, Tara never used the well. Tara, if she was going to lie, her eyes would water. It was like, she's crying before she even tells me what she did wrong. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us for our podcast today. And all of our friends that joined us on Twitch, this has been fun. If you would like to join us for a recording, uh, please find us on Twitch at Goddess Elite LLC, and you can see all the back-end fun that happens while we're recording and maybe give suggestions for titles um, and drop a few comments. Episodes drop every Wednesday at uh, 4 a.m., so please feel free to uh, listen. Join us live every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., and let us know what you thought of the episode. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to When Ghosts Speak. Join us again soon. Goodbye.